Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. morning church family please take your bibles and go to the book of revelation chapter number 20 revelation chapter number 20 if you did not receive a copy of the handout i'd like to ask our ushers to help me with that and uh, i would like for every single person to have a copy of the handout this morning it is true that we as uh, pastors will speak uh, 150 to 200 times in the course of a year through through uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. Uh, we'll speak at funeral services and weddings, and we'll speak at, at high school chapels, and so we speak a lot, and we'll tell stories from the Word of God. I would like for everyone to listen to this for just a moment this morning. Of all the messages that I preach, I would think that this would be in the top five messages of importance that I've ever preached in the entirety of of my ministerial career. It is absolutely crucial that every one of us, we understand the nature of the great white throne. And I would like to beg you to open your hearts and your minds and for the next few moments to carefully and attentively listen, but also to take notes so that this handout is one handout that doesn't just end up in the trash. And I have no problem with that. I, I know that we can see it, hear it, read it, write it. We can remember it. But this would be one handout, one message that I would beg you to carefully listen to and, um, and that you would give careful attention to the Word of God. I will not waste your time, but I will ask that the Holy Spirit of God will enable all of us to be willing hearers and that our, and that our result of listening might cause us to have action when it comes to how we live our lives on this earth. There is coming a day, ladies and gentlemen, a judgment. And there is coming a day, a time when all men, all women, that they have all the things that they've dreamed for and that they have schemed for and they've sold their souls for will have turned to rust and dust and mold and corruption. And there is coming a time when God will put the final period upon the final sentence, upon the final paragraph, upon the final page, upon the final chapter until the final book of history as we know it is completed. And time as we have known it will have come to a conclusion. Oh, we spoke last week about the millennium. It was a tedious message and, and uh, some checked out during the message. Oh, I beg you, please don't check out on this message. This message directly impacts every single person here this morning. And with that being uh, the background the introduction of this message, I invite your attention to Revelation chapter 20 as we look at the last verses of Revelation chapter 20. And we look at something that is simply titled the Great White Throne. The Great White Throne. The Bible says in verse number 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose faith the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things which were written in the books according to their works. 
And the sea gave up their dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And I'd like for all of us to read verse number 15 together, understanding the gravity of this message, the seriousness of this message, and why it impacts every single person here this morning. And again, I beg you to please live, listen carefully. If you're watching by live stream, please don't be distracted. And if you're searching for answers with family members, and perhaps you're here today and you might even doubt your own destination, I ask and beg you to listen. Together, let's read verse number 15 together. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That ought to send every one of us a chill up our spine. Because the God of heaven said that if your name is not written in the book of life, you will be forever cast into a place called the lake of fire. Father, I ask that you will please help me as we have prayed and prayed over this message and we've asked you to help us already before that you would allow me to have clear thoughts, minimal, minimal distractions, that your Holy Spirit would be free to move and convict and to help us during this hour. Father, I ask that you help us to think, meditate, on this message at this time, in Jesus' name, amen. There is a judgment coming, and the name of that judgment is called the Great White Throne Judgment. I read a story about a, a preacher who came to a very small town in the Midwest, and he went there as a, a pastor of a new church. Oh, in that town there was an, a self-appointed skeptic uh, who felt it was his duty to humiliate and to humble every preacher that came to his town. He loved to argue. He was like a, a pseudo-intellectual. Uh, he could hardly wait for the young preacher to get there. The skeptic's name was Bert Olney. When the young preacher came, the skeptic spied him on the streets of the little town, and he went up to him, and he said, I understand that you're the new minister. Is that correct? And the young man said, yes, uh, yes, sir, I am. And he said, well, I want you to know something. My name is Bert Olney, and I want to tell you something else. I believe you're a fake and that you're a fraud. I don't believe your Bible. I don't believe there's a God. I don't believe that there's a Jesus. I believe that your church is a false organization. And I believe that all of you pastors are doing more damage than good. And I repudiate everything that you teach and preach. What do you have to say about that? The young pastor looked at him in the eye and he began to quote a verse that no doubt many of us have heard from the book of Hebrews, chapter number 9 and verse number 27. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Bert only said, oh, don't give me the Bible to me. I don't believe the Bible. There's, that's not even an argument. What do you have to say about what I said? This young pastor went behind the ears, straight out of Bible college. He looked at him again and says, and as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Oni now is getting frustrated. I said, I don't believe that. So don't quote that to me. That is not an argument. There was a pause and the young minister looked at him and said, And as it is appointed unto man, once to die, but after this, the judgment. Bert Oni said, that's stupid. I don't think you know enough to even argue. He looked at him again and he said, And as it is appointed unto man, wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Only said, is that all you can say? 
Once again, the young minister looked at him and said, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Oni was infuriated, and he wheeled around and he walked off because this argument was going nowhere. Later on, after he had come to Christ, Bert gave this testimony. He said that as I walked over the bridge to go home, thinking about this argument, I, it seemed as if the frogs in the, in the pond were saying, Judgment! 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 Bert only said he could not get the word of God out of his heart and his head that said this, And as it is appointed unto man, once to die, but after this, the judgment. And it was appointed to Bert Olney. It is appointed to every unsaved man, every unsaved woman, every unsaved college student, every unsaved young man, every unsaved young lady. I want you to listen to me this morning. Make no mistake about it. You have a date with deity. And one of these days you're going to stand before Almighty God and you are going to be judged. And there is coming a judgment that has a, it has a time, it has a place, it has a location, and it has your name on it, and it is called the Great White Throne. This morning I desire to share with you four wonderments about the Great White Throne. And I beg you to once again to please listen. Wonderment number one, the Great White Throne described. The Great White Throne Describe. First of all, I want you to see the description of the great white throne. There we read in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11, the, the apostle John, he was writing, And I saw a great white throne that sat on him from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. What a scene. What a setting. We're talking now, if you can use your imagination, a trial. Notice the courtroom. There is a platform. There is a bench. There is a throne. It is great and it is white. The greatness of it speaks of the power of it. The whiteness of it speaks of the purity of it. The, the word throne speaks of the purpose on which the sovereign who is sitting uh, upon the great white throne. I, friend, I want you to listen to me whether you're watching my live stream or you're seated right here. I beg you never to go to this place. And if you die without Jesus Christ, you will be at the great white throne. In this description, I want you to notice not only the throne, but I want you to notice who is sitting upon this throne. Notice the person on the throne. Who is the judge? The Bible says, and him that sat upon it. Who will be the judge in eternity? It may surprise you to know that it is not God, but it is Jesus Christ who will judge. Jesus will be the one sitting on that throne. And you say, no, Jesus is the Savior. Yes, He is. He is the Savior. That's what you say. But I want you to know that the Bible says He is also a judge. May I give you a scripture this morning? John chapter 5 and verse number 22 says this, For the Father judgeth no man, but who hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Who is this judge? None other than the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is described in the Bible as both a lamb and a lion. Jesus in the Bible is described as both a judge and a Savior. And every person who's ever lived will meet him as either lamb 
or lion. Every person that has ever lived on this earth will either meet him as judge or Savior. But I promise you, you will meet Jesus Christ. You have a date with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the unavoidable, inescapable person in your life. And you may have cursed him. You may have mocked him. You may have ignored him. You may have debated him, but one day, as surely as I am standing before you, I can promise you on the authority of the Word of God that you will meet Jesus Christ. Every single person in this auditorium has an inescapable appointment to meet Jesus Christ. We have already described Jesus Christ in this series of messages on the book of Revelation. Please allow me to remind you that that description goes all the way back to Revelation chapter number one. Jesus is wearing the regal robes of a king and a judge. His hair, white as wool, speaks of his unsullied, absolute purity. His eyes, like a flame of fire, means that not only does he see you, he sees through you, and he knows all about you. The Bible says this, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He cannot be deceived. He cannot be discredited. He cannot be disputed. The Bible says his feet are like fine brass. Brass in the Bible is a symbol of judgment, and he is going to relentlessly judge. He is unstoppable. His voice is like the sound of many waters, the Bible says, and when he speaks, it's like a hundred cascading waterfalls. Falls. Perhaps you have been to Niagara Falls. You cannot even stand near Niagara Falls and argue. Uh, this is the one that is sitting on the throne. His voice is large and it will fill up the room. No wonder it says, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Here is before us a great white throne. His majesty is sitting on this throne. The earth, the heavens flee away. That means that everything that is stable is gone. Everything that men have depended upon and looked to, it is gone. Friend, there will be nothing solid. The earth, the heavens are gone. There's an old spiritual song that says, I went to the rock to hide my face and the rock cried out, no hiding place, no hiding place down here. This is the description of the great white throne. But I want you to notice even more importantly, the wonderment number two we see here, the great white throne decree. The great white throne decree. I want you to see not only the great white throne that is described, but I want you to see the decree that is issued at the great white throne. God is going to send out a decree to gather everyone to be judged. We read about that in verses 12 and 13. When God sends out his decree, he doesn't have to get any extradition from death and hell. Notice the summons. He says this, And I saw the dead great and small, stand before God. I don't know how insignificant you think you are or how powerful you may fancy yourself to be, but without Jesus Christ, I will guarantee you upon the word of God that one of these days, whether you're a big shot or you're a little shot, whether you're an up and out or an out and out or a down and out, my friend, I want you to get this in your heart. I want you to get this in your mind. You are going to stand before God. Those who are going to be called uh, uh, to this judgment at the great white throne, you will be placed in one of five categories. And this is unsettling to me this morning. I ask you to consider, are you in any one of these five categories? 
category number one, uh, this decree that goes out, there will be the no-doubt sinner. There will be the no-doubt sinner. First of all, this no-doubt sinner, these are people who hate God, they hate Christ, they hate the Bible, they hate Christians, and they hate preachers. There's no pretense. Uh, they, these, are, these are none like, uh, I hope, that are here today. I hope that none of you have come to mock and make fun. I hope that this category would not be a single person here this morning. And if you have, may God have pity on you and mercy upon you if that is the reason that you are here today. But there are people in this world who will stand on their two big feet. They will stick their chest out, stick their nose uh, up in the air. They will shake their puny fists boldly and brazenly in the face of God and say, God, if there is a God, you're not big enough to make me serve you. I will not bow. Oh, there's some like that. And there will be at this judgment called the great white throne judgment. You can be certain of it. And many of you know co-workers and maybe even you have family members that they that you could say I have some no doubt sinners people I know but I want you to notice quickly category number two there's the self-righteous sinner there's the self-righteous sinner we're going to move a little bit closer to your home now these people think that because they are not no doubt sinners that they are heaven bound they think the gospel is for the thief they think the gospel is for the murderer, they think the gospel's for the drunkard, but not for them. They're nice people. These people drive fine automobiles. They give money to those people that are begging on the, at the traffic lights. They wear nice clothing. They're members of fine clubs. They treat their neighbors really fine. They treat their children fine. They don't need to be saved. They're righteous in and of themselves. They do not understand that the Bible says this, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. I remind you of Isaiah chapter 64 and verse number 6 where uh, the prophet said this, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. In the sight of a righteous and holy God, the best thing that we can do is but yet fall short of the holiness of God. Many people in America are what I call egomaniacs. Uh, they are strutting themselves to hell, thinking they're too good to be damned. And it's been said, and I 100% agree, the worst form of badness is human goodness, when human goodness becomes a substitute for the new birth. My friend, there's a lot of self-righteous people that will be at the great white throne. But there's a category number three. And I would like for you to look at this, uh, look up here before you write this one down, before it's put on the screen. I'd like everyone to look up here. We could, just for a second. Everyone look up here, seriously. There are people seated here this morning that this one applies to you. This is a category that you are literally in right now. I call this the procrastinator sinner. The procrastinator sinner. I'll tell you a third category of people who will be at this. These are people who are sinners and they know it. And they know that they need to be saved. But they are procrastinators. And there are many like that here today. You know that you need to be saved. And you have determined that before you die, you'll get saved someday. Oh, I'm going to give an invitation in just a few moments. And I'll ask you to come once and for all, now and forever, to give your heart to Jesus. And I can say, as short as I stand here, the devil's going to whisper in your ear, and he's going to say this, don't do it today. Do it, just not today. 
And the devil's going to say this. Hey, there's a better time. Don't you know who's with you? Listen to me. What will your spouse think if you do that today? What will your boyfriend or your girlfriend think if you do that today? You need to do it, but not today. The devil's a master deceiver, but I want to remind you that the writer of Proverbs 27 and verse number 1 said this, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. The Bible says in Proverbs 29 and verse number 1, please listen to the word of God, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. And I want to say this, God help me to say it clearly, this may be the last gospel service that you will ever be in today. And you dare not presume upon tomorrow. Tomorrow is only a time that's on a fool's calendar. The Bible says, whereas ye know not what year uh, will be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's a question. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time. And then it poof, vanishes the way. There are many people who are procrastinators who intended one day to get saved. Who would drop into hell having never been saved. And I'll tell you another category person will be there. Oh, there's going to be the no-doubt sinner, the person who is a sinner that's as anti-God as anti-God can be, puts their face in the, in the, in the face of God. Uh, there's going to be that person that's the, that is the self-righteous. I, I do good works, I'll be okay. And there's going to be that procrastinator. But I want you to notice there's a fourth category, and that is, oh, listen carefully. This is going to unnerve some of you right now, and I hope that it does. If this unnerves you, it should unnerve you. There's going to be the church. Church member sinner at the great white throne. There's going to be the church member sinner at the great white. These are, these are those who have been duped by religion. They're church members. They're not procrastinators because they think it's all settled. They somehow uh, have religion, but they don't have Jesus Christ. They're religious. They've joined a church. Uh, they may have even been baptized or sprinkled. They may be members of a church just like this that preaches the Bible, a Bible-believing church. And you may be a member of this church and lost and on your way to hell. The devil had just as soon send you to hell from that pew where you're sitting as he would from the gutter. It makes no difference to him. There are many people who get their name on the church roll, but they never have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. Is this not true? Too many people are going to find out that the books will be opened, and the Bible says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You see, I believe in the church. Do you believe in the church? But the church is not the way to heaven. Ooh, there's a little grumbling. May I say that again? The church is not the way to heaven. The church is the sign that points people to heaven. The sign points you this way. The sign is not the way. The church points you to the way. It's not the way, my friend. The church is only a signpost that says this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how sad for somebody who sang in the choir to die and go to hell. How sad for someone who played in the orchestra, who ushered, who counted money, who worked in the children's ministry, who week by week volunteered to be in the nursery because that was a spiritual thing to do, who died and is now today in hell. How about the person who served the Lord's Supper 
wore their fancy white shirt that day who died and went to hell. I believe there are those in this building this morning who are seated here under the sound of my voice that you are a church member on your way to hell. Why is that? Because you are counting on your religiosity to get you to heaven. And you have never truly repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You may give lip service to it, but you know that you have never been born again. And you can get upset with me and the hair can stand on the back of your, uh, uh, of your neck. And you can say, I'm never coming back to that. He, he said, I'm a church member and I'm on my way to hell. Listen, you just illustrated my point. If that statement upsets you, you're placed your faith in something other than Jesus Christ. You ought to be able to say this morning, oh, I'm a church member, but I know that I know that I know Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. Now, there's a fifth category of a person who are going to be there. And this is one that I am often asked, and as pastors in this church, we're often asked this. You mean my grandma who never heard she's in hell? There's a fifth category of people that will be at this great white throne judgment. It is the never heard sinner. It's the never heard sinner. Sadly, there are those who have never heard the gospel. They're not out-and-out sinners. Uh, They're not self-righteous. They're not procrastinators. They're not lost church members. Uh, They simply do not know. They've never heard the saving message of Jesus Christ. And while they do not have enough light to save them, they they certainly have enough sin to condemn them. And they're sinners uh, that will be judged at the great white throne judgment. And you say, well, that's not fair for God to let somebody die and go to hell who never heard the gospel. Are they saved? Aren't they saved, pastor, if they don't hear? The Bible teaches this, friends, that those without Jesus Christ are going to be judged. The great white throne judgment. And they, they, they may not be judged the, the exact same way that you're going to be judged to have heard because the Bible does give us a portion of Scripture in, in Luke chapter 12 where he says, And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall much be required to him, uh, and, and, and to whom men have committed much of him, sh- they will ask the more. You sat at this service this morning. You are sitting here right now. You are listening to the preaching of God's word. You heard the word of God. You heard this pastor preach a message that he has prayed over and soaked in prayer. And you will hear somebody at the end of this message uh, with tears say, Would you please come to Jesus? Would you please make it right? And friend, I just want to ask you a question. If those who have never heard are going to stand to be judged, what's going to happen to you who have heard? What's going to happen to you? You knew the Master's will, and you did it not. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 and 13 says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And notice when he gives the decree, the places from which they are called, he says, and death and hell uh, 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 gave up the dead which were in them. Death uh, has the body, and when your body dies, death comes after your body, and it carries to the grave to disintegration. But there's a part of you that doesn't go to the grave. It goes to a place called hell. It's a translation of the Greek word which we call Hades. It's the place of the departed dead before the final judgment where they go there to wait for the judgment. Now I can see somebody saying, now wait a minute. If they're already in hell, 
Why are they being taken out of hell to be judged? I think it's a very fair question, but I also have a biblical answer, and I can help you with that. You see, Hades is not the lake of fire. Uh, and the Bible says that the final judgment of the final judgment, the final hour, uh, when the final period, the final exclamation is point, that those who, is, who died without Christ are going to be cast literally into a place called the lake of fire. Maybe I could best explain it this way. Suppose uh, a person commits a crime and, and he's indicted by the grand jury. Uh, he is so dangerous that the judge will not grant bond. And so he's put into the county jail and he's held there until he is judged. He's taken out of that jail. He goes before court. He is tried. He is convicted. He does not go back to the county jail. He goes to the penitentiary. My friend, the lake of fire is the eternal penitentiary. After one has been convicted and tried at a very fair trial and found guilty of not believing in Jesus Christ. And that's where people without Christ have died and their body is in the grave. Their soul is being held there waiting until this final judgment called the great white throne judgment. And, and when they are brought out, that is what the Bible is saying here. John is saying they are brought out. They stand before this judgment. And then we are going to see in just a few moments what happens to them. God has to wait until it's all over to bring these that are in this holding place called Hades to say now we're going to face the final record and it's the final judgment. And friend, when all the facts are in if you do not know Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior will be eternally cast into a lake of fire well, that brings me to the third wonderment of the great white throne judgment please stay with me please please stay with me this is important for all of us this morning wonderment number three is this we find the great white throne disclosures the great white throne disclosures in Revelation chapter 20 the Bible says and the books were open and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. May I just say this? I'd like for everyone to look up here. God is keeping the books. If you haven't been listening because you said, I know that I'm saved, and you've, you, you've said this, and your mind is wandering somewhere else, and you're somewhere else, and you're, you're paying attention to something else, I want you to listen. God is recording the secret things that nobody knows about. And may I give you some verses for your consideration. The Bible says, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. The Bible says, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of, of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. You see, there are secret things. There are secret things in your life that nobody knows. Things that you did when you were overseas in the service. Things that you did to your mother and father uh, that, that they do not know about. Things that your wife and your husband does not know about. Things that your children and your grandchildren do not know about. Things that perhaps you have forgotten. And God is keeping his books. And I want you to be reminded that there are no secrets that have been repressed in God's, uh, in, in God's uh, books. And we ha have tried to put them out of our consciousness. We, we think that perhaps the statue of limitations has expired. And, and we think that it'll just go away. And we've lived long enough that we have kind of hardened over these particular things. But I want you to be reminded, you can write it down in your notes. You can put an exclamation point. You can put an underline on it. God has kept the books. There are no secrets 
with God. God knows it all. Secrets that you have repressed, secrets that you have, have tried to get rid of, God has recorded. God is keeping a record. And that should not amaze you today. It might have amazed your grandfather that everything that you've done has ever been recorded in a different time. But with today's technology, we can clearly understand with God, it is no, it is no problem for him to record everything that you've ever thought, every attitude that you've ever had, every action that you've had that's been violation of his word. Jesus said it this way, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. You have cursed. You have taken God's name in vain. Not everybody here perhaps, but, but has done that. But many of you have done that. And you've asked God to damn something. And, and you've gotten mad. And you've said, oh, Jesus Christ in a cursing manner. And you've taken his name in vain by saying, oh, my God. I want to challenge you today. Quit saying that. Start saying, oh, my Satan. It'll break you of the habit. Quit trivializing the name of God. And there are people right here today, you've already said one of those curse words of God. You've taken his name, the precious name of Jesus, upon your lips, and you've mixed it with the filth and the slime of the sewer, and you've blasphemed the God of heaven. You forgot about it, but I want to encourage you. I want you to know it has already been written down, and you can't take it away. For it is written. As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. The Bible says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. But notice the second part of this verse. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And there are people today that need to get on their face before God and say, Oh, my heavenly Father, forgive me for taking your name in vain. There ought to be a run to the altar. Because in God's, in God's venue, it is sinful, evil, wicked to take his name in vain. That one thing would be enough to damn you to hell forever. And you say, well, I didn't mean anything by it. My mom and dad said it all the time. Friend, this is the sin of it. That you could take the name of Almighty God in an oath and then you say this, I didn't mean anything by it. That means that God means that little to you that you could take his name in vain and it just didn't mean anything. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. What a day that will be at the great white throne judgment. One of these days, skeletons will come out of the closets, and one of these days, God's cameraed camera will begin to play, and one of these days, God's tape recorder will play, and one of these days, you will be standing there face to face, and everything on record will be disclosed short of getting on your face before God and say, oh my heavenly father, forgive me forever cursing and taking your name in vain. And my friend, that happens in this church and it happens in this, not somewhere else in America. There are people here that you say, oh my God, all of the time. And every time you do that, you're trivializing a thrice holy God and shame on you if you name Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There's a final wonderment at the great white throne. 
That is, at the great white throne, there's going to be a determination. There's going to be a determination. You see, we're talking about a courtroom now. We've given you the setting. We've talked about the decree. We've talked about the disclosures that are going to be brought out. My friend, there's coming. There's going to be a sentence. There's going to be a verdict that is going to be determined because of you and what you have done in this life. I want you to notice what John wrote. Uh, They were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There are a couple of things I want to say about this determination. First of all, I want you to see the sureness of the determination. The Bible says they were judged. You're not going to be able to, to bribe this judge. There'll be no slick lawyer, no shrewd person is going to be able to get you out of it. God swears by himself and that you will be judged. Let me give you one of the most terrifying scriptures in the Bible. I want you to write it down, circle it in your notes, Romans chapter 14, verse 11 and 12. For it is written, as I live, as, uh, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God and then every one of us shall give Account of himself to God. I want you to look at this verse. Uh, I want you to notice the third and fourth words on this verse. What do they say? Let's say that together. Is everyone everyone? Everyone is everyone. Everyone. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I want you to see the severity of this determination. The Bible says in verse number 13 of our text in Revelation chapter 20, they were judged every man according to his works. You are not saved by works. You were saved by grace, but you are judged by your works. You're judged by your works. Now that means uh, there's no mercy. Are you listening? Do not get the wrong idea that when you die, you'll stand before God and you're going to throw yourself on the mercy of the court. Please listen to me. There will be no mercy. Now if you want mercy... You may have it. If you want forgiveness, you may have it. If you want grace, it's freely offered to you. But you must receive those three things in this life, right now, today. Not in the afterlife. Do not have the unmitigated gall, the temerity to stand before God and the judgment and say this, God, have mercy on me, for he will mock you. When you do that, the Bible says this, for we know that he hath said, vengeance is mine, it belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. You say, well, I'm just going to wait till I get to heaven and all. God's being a, God's a merciful God. He's merciful in this lifetime. Everyone here today will walk out of this building either under the blood, having your sins forgiven, or you will walk over the blood, trampling the blood of Jesus Christ beneath your feet. And now when you do that, if you say, I do not want God, I do not want Christ, I do not want to be saved, and you say that to the Holy Spirit who's calling on you in your heart and mind this morning, you do, you do this despite His grace. Please listen, you will not come to the great white throne judgment and then plead for mercy. It will do you no good. You're going to be judged according to your works. Now allow me to conclude this message. In every trial, 
there's three parts. First of all, the evidence is presented. The books are open. What is the evidence? Your deeds. That's the evidence. Your lies, your cursing, the things you've stolen, every gray hair you've given to your mother, every wrinkle that you've pinched into your daddy's brow, everything that you have done will be revealed. That's the evidence. The evidence at trial will be presented at the great white throne judgment. God wrote down uh, uh, your, your hatred as murder. God wrote down even the thought of lust as adultery. God wrote down those that you've influenced to do wrong. God wrote down your failure to do good. God wrote down that you ignore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. All of that will be the evidence that's presented against you. One 